Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Every Thursday, you will finally get to chill with us. Hosted by Andrew, we will be bringing on some of the quirkiest, geekiest, leading voices in the personal finance space to give them ample time to talk about their story, the lessons they've learned over time, and some good advice for all of us. No longer the short and quick stuff. So sit back and chill with TFC. What kind of drew me to this space is I think that where Web3 is concerned, there is a serious credibility issue, uh, especially across the region. All right, not trying to shit on other uh, local <laughs> when, Web3 media when players. People say not trying to shit, it is trying to shit. <laughs> Hey Coconuts, welcome to Chill with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn more about how they do money and life. I'm your host Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut, and today we're going to get our special guest in the house, Mark from Blockhead. Right? So Mark is quite a serial entrepreneur or a serial media entrepreneur. You may not know Blockhead very well unless you listen to Blockcast, yes? Check out every Friday, Blockcast is already live on TFC and TFC Investors Network, both of our podcast feed. But Mark actually started Rice Media. So if you are more left-leaning, you know, you're like more alternate culture, you know... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if he, he will be okay with me saying that. But yeah, to me, Rice Media is this left-leaning publication, right? So he started with that and then now moving on to other publications like Blockcast. So I sat down with him today to talk a little bit about this crypto space, right? Like it's in a mess, there's all these things happening. So how do I discern good information? What is the future in the crypto space? And also dig his brain a little bit into if let's say today I want to write, like, which highly unlikely, but maybe you would like to do a publishing or you would like to write Substack or you like to build something on the site that is written how do you go about doing that so for all that and more stay tuned today with mark this is chills with tfc there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I guess uh, how I usually start this is that people know me as a media entrepreneur, I guess. Uh, right? So, so I, my, my first uh, printer was, uh, was Rice Media. First printer? <laughs> 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 At least you never use virgin printer, right? Yeah. Okay, anyway, I'll give it to you. Yes. Yeah, so Rice Media itself, uh, so we've been around for about five, six years now. Mm. Um, that's our flagship publication. I think I see myself more as a publisher than anything else. And the reason why is because, you know, I mean, at, at, at the core, right, you know, we are most interested in unearthing stories that broaden perspectives. For Rice Media, how we started was that um, back then I was doing something completely different. I, I was a lawyer. Not that I hated my job, uh, just that I wasn't very good at being a lawyer, I think. <laughs> So, I mean, just a moment of reflection after six years. Like, you know, Great, that's good. good. Cla- clarity, lawyer. clarity, yes. I was just one of them. I, was yeah, like, yeah, I, I could yeah, never yeah. go beyond, right? I'm not, I'm not great that way. So, but at the same time, I think back then, Singapore, the Singapore social media, uh, a lot less mature than it, wa- than it was now. Well, so for example, um, Rice Media, uh, the only reason why we even carved out a space back then is because there weren't really any publications out there that were a lot more perspective-driven. They decided to take a more 
long-form investigative approach to their stories. So everything originally produced in the sense that instead of trying to cover the news, we were trying to make the news, you know? So that, that, that was really like the core intent, but, you know, it also is a nightmare difficulty level. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, yes, yes, yes. Right, I started like a blog back then, basically to kind of just share my own perspectives on things that pissed me off and made me kind of think in Singapore. And because social circles then, or even now in Singapore, quite small, right? So, you know, people started reading it and then you, you get a bit of attraction. You know, I, I put in some of my own money uh, to hire an editor. Yeah, and then it took off from there. So I think six months later, I decided to quit and then build a team around it. Uh, and I haven't looked back since, right? Mm. So, so today... Uh, Rice Media, so we're active in Singapore and Thailand. Why Thailand? Thailand, okay, so I should also share that the aim of Rice Media is to present, you know, an authentic perspective on Southeast Asia, mm. right? Southeast Asia and hopefully like, you know, the rest of Asia like eventually, like, but it's supposed to be a brand that can transcend, you know, cultural boundaries around us. Okay. Right, okay. because the, the, the thing that really struck me is that when you talk to people from the region, right, Southeast Asia, no one ever says that they're ASEAN. Mm, right mm, but if you meet someone from say you know um like france or italy or something like that right they might actually say that hey i'm european mm, mm. right so we, we lack we lack that kind of like no no france no we are, I mean, not, not french not french, french, not, french, french and not parisians not parisians so yeah true, maybe true. hungarians polish yeah but you, you know what i mean like, you know I there's know, that know, block where they say okay you know what i'm european right mm, mm, or mm. They, they might not refer to themselves as european but like they wouldn't mind kind of like you know it, it it's kind of normal for people to mm, mm. You know, maybe if they're from malta or something something yeah okay okay right but then in southeast asia that that really isn't the case because you know like it's just you have very distinct kind of um cultural differences mm. even be- between singapore and malaysia you know so uh one, one of the things with rice media was that we we really wanted to explore these differences and at the same time find topics and content that could transcend these differences mm. so to give you an example social issues right like you, you you talk about say income income inequality or like gender roles right how we understand it in singapore versus how someone understands it in thailand might be completely different mm. But it is fundamentally the same root topic. What we have in Singapore is that we have the media that kind of delivers their own perspectives on, on Singapore issues, mm. right? So we only really understand these issues from what we see in Singapore, you know? So I think that the next step here is to have an external reference point so that we can, you know, broaden our, our, our perspectives on these issues, mm-hmm. right? So, so seeing how our counterparts kind of like you know, live, right, outside of Singapore and across the region, right, gives us better insight on how we... Mm, you know, mm, 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 should approach certain things. Yeah, fair, yeah. fair, fair. That, 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 that's something that we, we are trying to build. So the pipeline for Rice Media really is a regional expansion. Thailand was actually op- was opened up. We launched it a few months before COVID. Uh, there are quite a lot of learnings there la, because, uh, I mean, just being very open about it. Because it's in Thai, right, we had pretty much explosive reach, right? So when something goes viral in Thailand, it's like 100,000 shares, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Me <laughs> right? gets, me gets, yes. Right? But at the same time, um, we were essentially building two different publications because I don't speak Thai and I had limited capacity to actually quality control the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. So right now, we are embarking on, like I would say, phase 1.5 of that regional expansion, mm, right? Mm, but mm. we might move away from the local language aspect of things. So we might create content in English first, right? Across, say, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, and maybe have social executions, social media executions in the local languages. But the core content will be created in English. I think fundamentally speaking, creating in the local language is great if you want kind of like maximum engagement, right? But the issue then is that you are essentially creating a local publication. And Rice Media uh, has always kind of aspired to be something a bit broader than that, right? So if we, if we think about, say, a regional consciousness or even like a global audience interested in Southeast Asia, right? 
that is predominantly an English-speaking audience. We might not reach a hundred million, like kind of like eyeballs, right? In the same way that we would, let's say we wrote in local, wrote local language. language. But I think it's an audience that is more aligned with, 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 with the brand that we're trying to build. Mm. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I think in terms of just a commercial strategy, positioned as a local publication in these countries, right? We're essentially butting heads with all the other local players. Mm. Right. And like that is a highly competitive place to be. Personal question, right? Do you think you guys are like biased as a publication? I think for sure, you know. So So you come from the camp that everybody is inherently biased? No, I think I come from the camp that any publication that starts to take sponsored advertising is, you know, your editorial integrity would definitely suffer. Oh you know, so like I don't even like right now I don't even pretend to pretend to kind of like say that we have like, you know, yeah, like, a yeah. non-biased thing like yeah, going. Yeah. But I think that Wait, so if you don't take sponsors, you're not biased? You are still biased. In your own optics yeah. of how you look at the world, yeah, right? But it's just how you cover yeah, it. But I think it's just a different it's just a different way of like kind of like I guess looking at I mean how do you define actually bias, right? Mm, mm, um, mm. Obviously, everyone comes to the table with their own kind of like, you know, Optics views view. on mm. things. But I think with sponsored content, it adds a layer of complexity to it because you would also need to tailor your editorial and your content strategy such that it is, you know, more commercially viable. Mm. Obviously, as a publication, you know, where we, where we most publications who, who operate under with sponsored content have to help, they, how they manage it, right, is that they would have to have like strict editorial guidelines and content guidelines. Hopefully balances, you know, being able to deliver enough value to the audience while at the same time delivering enough value to the advertisers, mm. right? But I'm, if I'm wearing my, my audience, you know, hat, Right, as a as a member of the audience, right? Obviously, non-sponsored content is the best because, like, you know, like you, there 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 are less agendas at play here, mm. Yeah. Mm. So so there's a reason why you know, like, when you go on YouTube, you kind of like skip the ads, mm. Yeah. Mm. Generally, people hate ads, mm. <laughs> mm. Right. So I I mean I'm just just being real here, like, You know, this is yeah. just how it is. But at the same time, also the relationship with the audience is a very important one. So like yes. you know, at the at the end of the day, it's about they understand generally that you know like as a as an organization right you know we are here to provide as much value as we can in terms of our storytelling to the audience but on the other hand um there's also creative part of our identity um that is very commercial and that keeps the lights on yeah 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 i mean that's what every publication yeah timothy was talking about yeah. it also and 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 to be clear i think Timothy from Dollars and Cents had an interesting view to say that actually sponsored posts is a very rigorous thing to create relative to editorials, right? So in a sense that editorials, you know, we, we have our own guidelines, we do the things, we write it up, we record and life goes on, you know, but when you work with sponsors, depending, of course, depending on who you work with, you know, certain sponsors, they, they, they try very hard to tailor how you say it. But other sponsors, they, they try to like bring you in within certain like, you know, accuracy of the content and all that. Any thoughts on that? I think both are equally as rigorous, in my opinion. Mm. It's just that the, obviously with the, the sponsored content that actually works out the best uh, would be content that also kind of, you know, reaches the audience, right? So like they would, it, it would need to be content that they would also appreciate despite the fact that it's, that it's sponsored. So that is actually, that's obviously the ideal. Mm. When you have a, 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 a brand partner that understands this and understands how you, communicate with your audience and then leverages on that to kind of, of, of sell the advertising, right? That's the ideal. Mm. But um, in my experience, the ideal is, is there, there's a reason why it's the ideal, uh, mm. you know? And uh, this, is, this, this is not me kind of like, you know, shitting on different business models or like, you know, saying that, you know, like, like publications should not take sponsored advertising or, or, or should take more sponsored advertising. I'm, I'm not making a value judgment. Yeah, yeah, I'm not being... Yeah, it's just, I think that for independent publications, right, it is something that that a lot of them have to kind of grapple with. Yeah, yeah. With more specific beats and verticals, so like such as finance, personal finance, right, there is an opportunity, I think, to cultivate a subscription-based uh, program. 
Mm-hmm. More so than general news. When was the last frame. time you wrote? Because all editors, you start writing, right? Eventually, you get to a point where you yeah. stop writing. Two, about two, two and two years ago, man. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. In fact, like I actually have uh, uh, stuff that I've written, but it's on my computer, and then I write halfway, and then I stop. Uh-huh, yeah, and then the right? So one, one of the things that I have been meaning to do next year uh, is to get back into it again. Mm. But um, yeah, so I'm, I... I I want to try and see it through this time, because uh, mm-hmm. I've been making promises to people that you know about this for some time already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so if someone wants to start something, you know, in the writing, building a side hustle, maybe building a media company, I think it's uh, right now. It has never been easier uh, to have a platform and monetize. You know, there's Ghost, Substack, um, quite a few options for you to kind of explore. Mm. At the same time, I would also say that you know, because everybody can write. If you think about it, everybody can write. I cannot. Uh, but right. <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying I get what you're saying right? yes, yes. but at the same time you mm. know like it is being able to attract an audience with right, with your writing right is a it's quite a rare skill set mm. Mm. yeah my, my view is that like don't start this with the, with the intent of it being a side hustle yeah especially <laughs> if let's say you it's your first go at it right mm, mm, and like mm. you're, you're just trying to, to create um, interesting content so start mm. there definitely, definitely have an idea of the I mean, aside from the obvious stuff, right? So, like, you know, find, figuring out the topic and the theme, the vertical, et cetera, et cetera, that's, that's obvious, right? I think that um, the one of the most immediate things you can try to do, right, is to find a way to kind of capture your 20 closest friends, right, network. So if you get, get the buy-in of the people, of, say, like a small group of people, right, then that ultimately snowballs. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, so mm. don't cast the net too wide, you know, try to get, you know, uh, 100,000 kind of readers from the get-go, mm, right? Mm. You know, if it's about, say, finance, think about, say, you know, people close to you um, who have an interest in personal finance and what, what they potentially would want to consume and try and reach them first. I think a lot of people that are not in the media business, they don't understand that your immediate audience may not be the people that are paying the bills, right? Mm-hmm. So as much as you want to gather a particular audience, you also need to know who is going to pay for the bills, right? Like, like which sponsors are you talking to? What is your model? How is it going to happen? And then with that, then you cultivate an audience because that's kind of how I take my approach now because I'm fully commercial right, at this mm. point in time. So mm. it's not, okay, I mean, I'm not say fully commercial like much. I don't like doing what I do. Right? It's fun, you know, but I, I do come from a very commercial viewpoint. So I'll think like, okay, so if I want to talk to this particular group of sponsors, who are they trying to talk to? And then from there, I work backwards on like, how am I going to create content to mm. gather these people? Mm. Right? So it's a very, it's, I would say a, a more sophisticated you know, level of building a media mm. company. But so you think for a newbie, you don't need to care about these things. I think that like that is because you're at a point where the, the business is slightly more mature already. Uh. So you have to kind of have a strategy for this. Mm. Mm. Right. So when you want to roll out new products, you would be thinking of sponsors in mind already. Mm. But from conception, right. Or, or, or rather what I, I, I believe, uh, uh, because for most media companies, we don't really have like a sophisticated kind of tech stack. You know, uh, unless you're building like media tech or, or something, right. Uh, uh, what we really have is brand equity. So all the value actually gets tied, tied into the financial coconut brand. Like, like that's where the value is. I would start off with trying to create a valuable brand first. From then on, whether, whether it becomes a business is a separate conversation. Okay, fair, yeah. fair, fair, fair. Yeah. I get it, I get it. And even yeah. if it's, even, I mean, I've met many people that start their own podcast. It didn't monetize because podcast monetization is horrible, very difficult to do. And, but they end up 
you know, joining bigger organizations, right? Mm. Because the organization, like, oh, you could do this, 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 and you pick it up. Maybe you could mm. write, you could do some things, and then yeah, you you come together and you get a decent paying job, mm. right? So there are many of all these other things. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, up to you lah. Or personal advice: don't do podcasts. Uh. <laughs> so, but see see what Mark says. Okay, about yeah, writing. I, I mean, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I, I have been doing this, but I'm no means like you know. I I don't I don't have the holy grail. Like, you know, it's mm. not not uh, like I said with Rice Media. Honestly, we were very lucky in the sense that uh, at that point in time, I think the culture here, or you know, the audience in Singapore at least, there was a gap or space for a publication like ours, mm. like a leftist. I wouldn't. We're not a leftist publication. Mm. I wouldn't kind of. Uh, don't corner yourself inside, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there, like, we, but we definitely don't have like a central ideology that's running our editorial. Like, okay, okay. Right. Uh, so this probably goes back to your question of bias, right? Obviously, the team uh, and the people that Rice Media attracts tend to lean a certain way. Mm. But when we execute the content, we're not advocates. Mm, mm. Okay, so we're not here to... So you're not an activist, right? You're just here to cover, cover what the activists are we're talking here to about. Present, in that sense. We're here to present perspectives that or stories deserve attention, right? But might not receive mainstream attention or like mainstream endorsement, mm, mm, right? Mm. So in presenting these alternative areas, right? Uh, very often they would lean a certain way, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, but we do it with the intent of bringing more things to the table. So mm. when you, when the audience, uh, you know, they, are, they, they look at certain issues or situations in the news, you know, they are able to make better decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of the articles yeah. went viral. It has definitely shaped uh, a lot of the broader perspective, but that's. A, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I would yeah, like yeah. to think so. Definitely have time. No, we will do until now, right? Come on, right? So, so there's a, there's a lot of that, right? And uh, recently, you guys have uh, come up with a new publication, sure. right? Specifically, yeah. Uh, yeah. you are leading the new publication, and that's why you're on the show today, right? So, what is this new publication? What are you guys trying to do here? <laughs> why enter the space? You know, maybe you can even talk about the intermediary that like, you guys try to do, like traditional finance stuff and and all that. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I can give uh, a bit of a lowdown. So, uh, the new publication we launched which is called Blockhead, mm. right? Um, B-L-O-C-K-H-E-A-D dot C-O. Blockhead. Okay. <laughs> Blockhead dot <laughs> co. Right. Yes. Uh, the idea here is really that Rice Media as a group, right, is sharp-focused editorial content, right? Mm. Uh, producing journalism to as best of a... I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we produce world-class journalism, okay? Because uh, we're not uh, there uh, yet. Uh, uh, okay? So, like, that's something that, you know, ultimately we, we aspire to do. Uh, mm. um, we, we're constrained by resources, for sure. Mm. But, like, we like to say that you know most of our products uh, are driven by a journalistic intent, mm. right? Uh, whether we fulfill the execution, <laughs> that's for you to time, judge. That's for you to you know, judge. Right? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But uh, like you know, it is an aspiration. So where Blockhead is concerned, right? Personally, I've always been interested in the Web three space. Not always. Okay, do you know how people kind of introduce themselves when mm-hmm. you know when you ask them about you know oh do you are you in crypto mm-hmm. or do you do you do you like Web three or are you are you in the Web three space? So the uh, first thing uh. they tell you is that you know oh yeah I started investing in like you know two zero one seven or two zero one six right. So these are very very important details because uh, like you know like this is like how many bear markets you've been through and how uh, and uh, when uh, you started investing in it kind uh, of like uh. it's a it's a way to show you that I've been around the block. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. For me, obviously, I have been investing in crypto, but it was mainly out of curiosity than anything else. What kind of drew me to this space is I think that where Web3 is concerned, there is a serious credibility issue, mm-hmm. uh, especially across the region. All right, not trying to shit on other uh, <laughs> local Web3 media when players. When people say not trying to shit, it is trying to shit. 
<laughs> it's that like like a lot of the media that I that I see coming out of the region, right? Mm. They are, they are, or at least in the past one or two years during the bull run, right? Essentially, we're just shilling products, lah. Cheerleader, lah. Right? Like, There's mm. a lot of cheerleaders and the conversation on, on Twitter, it's very polarized as usual because it's Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So you're either uh, some sort of like crypto maxi, mm-hmm. right? Or you're not. And so that, that made me think about how applying some journalistic rigor to what the space is doing, especially in the region, is needed, mm-hmm. you know? Because there are a lot of things really happening in our backyard. A lot of projects, great projects being incubated, but also a lot of scams. With, is it a lot more scams than great projects? No, I wouldn't say that. Okay. I wouldn't say that. Okay. But I think that it's a lot more like where people are trying to piece together the whole regulatory framework, right? Mm. And how regulators are trying to catch up with innovation. I think it's one of the bigger themes going forward. Mm. Um, I think that particular piece, it needs some objectivity to kind of... So it uh, needs a mark. Uncover. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm like... <laughs> it needs a mark, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because you know the 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 I mean if you just look at some of the recent debates online you know it's it's very like you know people are trying to find a, a middle ground here la. I think that like in terms of how we see the Web three industry moving forward in the region right uh, there's a lot to be excited about there are a lot of like great projects being incubated now um, across Southeast Asia in fact across Asia right but Southeast Asia in particular doesn't receive as much coverage as it should. Mm. So what is something that's interesting right. that you've covered recently? To, to be very honest... Uh, Cannot the, shield. Uh, we're not shielding. Yeah, I'm not shielding, but like yeah. the content cycle recently really has... has the, the main theme here has been about... It's been a lot of like bad news. Uh. Mm. Okay, mm. so I, 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 I can't sit here and say that there's anything really optimistic that we've kind of like... Mm, mm, like mm, 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 mm. So for example, you know, like um, there are... The big names are dominating the headlines. So you have Circle, a company that essentially issues USDC. Mm. Uh, they just received like, you know, in-principle approval from MES. Nice. Right, so it's okay. a big deal. Mm, big deal. Right? So, so, that, so things like that, like, you know, like, uh, have made the news recently, right? But I think in our part of the world, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the chatter recently has been on regulation, mm. right? Um, and then the competition between countries here to attract talent, like Hong Kong versus Singapore, mm. Singapore versus Dubai, mm. you know, as kind of fintech or crypto hubs, Singapore mm. versus Japan mm. as a, you know, fintech hub as well. Mm. Yeah. So, so that, that's the, bro- the broader macro conversation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what is your base take then on regulation? My base like take more on. regulation in the crypto space. I think generally speaking, my personal take is that I I buy into the so like the the the, the idealist the idealistic part of me is that I, I I totally buy into the whole decentralized future kind of uh, really I okay do, okay okay right yeah. tell uh, me more and I think that the whole point of actually even looking I mean if if you're even considering DeFi as a as a viable space right. <laughs> You know, <laughs> viable uh, space. You mean like use it as a utility? Or? No, I think that okay. like the, the core ideology here is we should ideally be in a position where normal people are able to kind of store and transfer their wealth right without the permission of a third party intermediary. Mm, mm, mm. That is ideal. So that's right. your baseline. Your that's base the baseline. Process. Okay. You know. Okay. So like, I mean, if it's marketing, I'm sold on marketing. Mm, 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 <laughs> right. But at the same time, also, I think that should be steps taken. I don't want to use the word protect people because like it's like really like kind of like patronizing like you, know, they, mm. you, you make your own decisions right. I I do think it's important for kind of like regulators to step in certain areas, mm. especially like you know um, the mess that you've seen this year with like, with all the stable coins. Yeah. Long term view here is this uh, regulation always needs to be playing catch up with innovation. Mm. So mm. so that's the other view here. First principles, huh? Right. No, so you, you can't level. you can't have regulators be ahead being think? ahead of innovation. How the hell does it look like being ahead? Okay, I, I don't really have a good example of this. Mm. To be very honest mm. with you, mm. La, right? Mm. But like you know, like the reason why I'm, why I'm even talking about this is because you know sometimes you there's this public view that like shit happens 
then regulars kind of step in with a knee-jerk reaction and then they either over-regulate or they, you know, maybe they take a balanced approach, mm. right? Mm. Um, and then some people might be thinking, oh yeah, you know, like, shouldn't they have done anything earlier or mm. sooner, mm. right? Mm. Instead of waiting for the mess to happen and then they regulate. But I think that this is just how it has to be, mm. right? Because if you do it, if, if they over-regulate, right, and that, that's when they, you kind of curtail, right? you kind of like, you know, like curtail or kind of hamstring kind of innovation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. right? So unfortunately, I think that we need to kind of go through like pain, mm. right? Mm. And then regulation has to come in and then we have to get, we just have to keep going through these cycles until we reach a certain point. Okay. Yeah. So, so what are some interesting new regulations that you've observed? Yes. Okay. So I mean, like you know, you have like obviously MES coming in with the with the uh, they've they've just released a couple of consultation papers. Mm. Okay. Uh, one of them purports to, or rather, what they're looking at is to add more friction um, between your digital kind of payment and token service providers and like um, your retail consumers, right? So. I think by friction here, you know, this could come in the way of like a knowledge test, right? Uh, which has been, you know, <laughs> it's like when I want to open a, a, a stock <laughs> account and then they ask me to take a quiz and then like screenshot the screenshot my results and send it back to them, something like that. I mean, it's one of those very neutral things, like knowledge test, okay, lo. you can do it, mm-hmm. right? Like what's the harm, right? And then like the, the one that's a bit more controversial here is like, you know, like adding a certain kind of uh, net worth uh, perimeter. High net worth kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the real co- real conversation here would then be also certain service providers should follow the o- OFAC kind of sanction list. Yeah, they control. It's like essentially part of the U.S. Treasuries, and then they kind of control like uh, different areas of the world with like you know that that are sanctioned against doing business with the U.S. Mm-hmm. So like you know they like sanction entire countries like Iran. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, so if yeah, you're yeah, Ira- yeah. if you're Iranian, mm-hmm. you, you can't do business with American yeah, vice yeah, versa, right? Yeah. So there's that as well. I I think that really you know, like, people yeah. are talking about people that. are talking about that. But I think that the, the MAS portion doesn't 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 extend doesn't to that yet. With that. Okay, okay. Yet, mm. right? Uh, uh, but but that that's always you know has always been a big criticism about crypto, right? Yeah, like, and then how know, is that decentralized? Right? In that sense, exactly. I would say one of the perspectives here is this. Uh, so if you put in, I mean, have a, have a certain net worth criteria for retail investors, right, to start investing and buying in kind of like you know like crypto products or derivatives right they're gonna trade anyway mm, mm, mm. <laughs> right mm. so so this was one of the things i was talking about right and then you have um there's this wild west of like you know decentralized exchanges right borderless payment wild providers west. yes yes right and uh i mean it's great and you know a lot of them are already being used in singapore mm. not i mean your I, I wallet, not your token right so <laughs> If the regulated centralized exchanges, right, have a certain high bar criteria for the quote unquote normal folk, mm. you know, to trade on them or invest through them, right, then these people are going to be kind of channeled to the, uh, the alternatives, uh, in which case you might actually encourage a different problem. It'd be interesting to see how that develops, right? And then also kind of looking at like the net worth criteria, right? Um, one of the other questions that, have, that has come up is whether that should also include crypto assets in your wallet or in your portfolio, right? Because what I do know is that a lot of the crypto investors out there, most of their net worth is tied to the few million dollars of like, you know, like ETH or like, you know, like, yeah, Bitcoin that they might have. And, you know, they're not exactly cash rich. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not kind of like, you know, real estate that counts as like, you know, like uh, part of the $1 million kind of Mm -hmm. net worth that you need. No, but these days you can mortgage shows crypto, right? Get a loan on them. Ah, you can, you can, mm-hmm. but but I think that for 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 the for the regulatory purposes, whether it counts towards like you know that cap, right, mm-hmm. is is uh is an open question uh, because if it if it doesn't, then that will mean that a large portion of like the community that invests in crypto now probably can't meet those requirements, mm-hmm. and they will definitely be going to like the alternatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm 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 pretty yeah. sure they will. Uh. I mean, yeah, it's really. all about the tax, right? <laughs> it's all <coughs> all True. about trying to regulate True. and tax. And yeah. if if yeah. this thing gets regulated, it gets. Yeah structured and then you know there'll be all these tax mechanisms right okay okay cool, cool 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So then going back to your, to your other question about, mm. yeah, that doesn't this kind of, uh, isn't this very centralized, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like, this is where like the, the debate is at the moment. Uh. Yeah. So like, I yeah. don't know whether you guys caught the SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried and uh, Eric Verhees. No. So they have the FTX founder and then like the Shapeshift founder. I mean, mm. these, these two guys are this, the crypto titans at the moment. Uh. Mm, okay. Mm, so like, mm, the like, big shits. Big shits, <laughs> yes, yes. So what are they talking about? Right. So so essentially, uh, they, they, they had they had a, uh, a debate on bankless and then they were talking about, so they both fundamentally agree on what the, the vision for DeFi is supposed to look like. Mm. Yeah, pretty much that's what I, I, I mentioned earlier in, the, yeah. in, mm. this, in this podcast or this mm. interview like that, that you know, baseline level is that it needs to be permissionless and it needs a, permi- a permissionless system where like, you know, people are able to kind of like transfer and store their wealth, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, so they agree on that. But I think where uh, SBF, uh, the FTX founder, or what, he, what he has said is that like, he believes that most like, crypto service providers right, or DeFi protocols, they would need to kind of comply with the OFAC sanction rules, which means that you know, this large country, like, you know, essentially just kind of blocks off entire populations from actually the kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah. trading on certain platforms. And then obviously that, that received kind of like pretty vehement pushback from Eric on the other side. I think that what is actually missing in this entire thing here, right, is that if you look China. at... I mean, <laughs> China is one Whether thing. China wants to participate in this discussion. I, I mean, yes. this, is, this is kind of a cynical view as well. I mean, if you've been following the news of FTX, you know, and like uh, what SBF has been, what they've been doing, right, the, uh, after the whole table coin crisis and then the, the market turbulence, right, They've been essentially engaging in a lot of like vulture capitalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for them, mm-hmm. like, you know, they've been buying up Just a ton of sucking like, it up, yes. A ton of companies. So like right now, I think that you're gonna have like, you know, like SPF's kind of crypto empire. Mm-hmm. Right? And once you are at that point, obviously you want regulation, but obviously you want kind of like centralization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, of course. So you're incentivized to do it. You're incentivized that, right? to do yeah, it. Because you're already the giant in the space. Exactly. You have regulation, you make it harder for people to participate. Exactly. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, and I think that that's something that that hasn't actually been pointed out in yeah, this is what's missing in this in this whole thing, like, because you know, you have these personalities. Crypto is still very personality driven, right? So like, you know, those two had their debate. Then like the Vitalik, the, the, the Ethereum founder came in to kind of chime in on his own, like, you know, saying that I think he suggested having like leverage caps or something like that. I'm just thinking here that like, because, you know, essentially these, these three personalities would have their fan bases and then like, you know, like it's just, you know, it's, it's a spectacle, yeah. right? But if you peel all that back, right? And, and like, one reason why you have, you know, like the founder of FTX kind of calling for regulation, right? Is that, dude, like you guys are going to dominate yeah, yeah, the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, I get it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's the same as So the, like if every, uh, if every DeFi protocol or every, I mean, so the, the one thing that has been quite clear also though, um, is that his point is that this doesn't stop innovation at the protocol layer. Developers who want to build on chains, right? They're still free to do so. But what it would prevent is that they would prevent your end users from actually um, using interacting the, yeah. or like using these protocols or these services. Mm-hmm. Which right? will so then it, change yeah. a lot of the underlying incentives to develop certain Correct. things. Yes, Correct. yes, yes, yes. But they see it as a compromise because the, the thing that is not tenable to them is, you know, if even at the development layer, that is regulated. So they don't want any regulation on the on the development. But mm-hmm. then like in terms of how the end users actually kind of interact with these service providers, right? That should be regulated. So this goes back to the, to what MES is doing. They're trying to do that as well. So then are there any other like major crypto developments, like maybe like gaming or, or whatever that you think it's interesting that our listeners should like think a little bit about? Because this whole game NFT thing is like... <coughs> 
is like making the round. I have, so I have a view on games and NFTs. Though, yeah, 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 right? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, if you were to ask me, have I seen any good GameFi gaming projects recently that have gone like, have gone like, wow, this is really great? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, I uh, I have over the past one or two years, I think that there are projects that people already know about that have received a lot of attention, mm. right? So you have that move to earn thing, mm. uh, Steppen, which is pretty interesting to me because I run. There is that P2E, like play to earn, you know, with XC Infinity and, uh, and I think a couple of others. I have certain views on this. Okay, so I, I want to share my own biased views first. Yeah, right? share your views, share your okay. views. No, because recently <laughs> I have quite a few discussions on this and I was like, oh, that was like interesting okay. views. So, I mean, I think that uh, once you put in, once there is a monetization, a monetization aspect uh, in games, right, uh, the monetization aspect is always going to become central. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will always be more important than the entertainment value. It's just because, it's just how it is human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't think that you can actually innovate around it. So you feel like, all these secondary markets of how games work, they need to stay in the secondary markets. And uh, the developers no. of the games should focus on the game. But I am coming from a very elitist kind of gaming gamer point of view, uh, right? Because I've been playing games like a, like pretty much my whole life. The W kind of people. I read from World of Warcraft so, okay. to like, kind of like, you know, like all that. You know? uh, so, uh, me gets, me gets. Yes, right? It's but, very elite. We're, we're on a different camp. So <laughs> I, I, always, I, I believe that games should just be games and just don't like, you know, like, I mean, you know, uh, Diablo once had like they want to do kind of an auction house there which mm. was like you know like um, just mm. online auction house right I mean just co- because they want to integrate the secondary market right all these Correct. like black market things outside Correct. they want to bring it Correct. in it and, and in a way money. like the argument here is that oh you know when I was playing WoW or World of Warcraft I was already kind of like paying these Chinese farmers to kind of farm not literally yeah, like, like <laughs> no, no, literally like you know, these Chinese uh, these sweatshops in China set up such that they would farm gold for you you give them your account number they will farm gold for you right Wow. While you're sleeping, okay, okay. right? And then you pay them a certain amount, mm. right? So there's already that secondary economy there. But then I've always felt is that let it remain a secondary economy. Don't mm. integrate it into the game. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, because that completely kind of like spoils, like, you know, like, like what I feel is should be, mm. you know, like just the, 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 the entertainment the value itself. of it. Mm. But having said that, I recognize that this is just one perspective because, mm. you know, what you define as a game, that definition is flexible as well. Mm. So like, you know, like maybe a good video game should be a computer game should be uh, something that allows me to make money. Mm. And maybe I enjoyed it more than actually than actually like the story or like kind of like... So I mean, like, I, I, I do think that there is another perspective here. Yeah. But I feel like we should be honest about that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we shouldn't come in and say that, oh yeah, you know, like P2E game developers, right? Like they were creating kind of like, you know, like the next frontier in, in, games, in games, right? right? Oh, it isn't, yeah. you know, like what, 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 what we are really doing here is that we are essentially looking to reposition or rebrand what people think and yeah. to be clear, there are a lot of influencers out there shielding these kind of stuff, right? So, which is why it's like, huh, really? Yep. You know, I think for, for a lot of you tuning in, you need to realize that building a great game, right? It takes like yep. billions of dollars, right? To, to build a great game, right? It's not a, not a few million kind of thing can can happen, right? And yep. so, yeah, do you really want to participate in those things? I, I'm, I'm not too sure. It's up to you to decide, yeah. But having said that, so like, you know, this, this uh, I'm going to answer your question on like what projects and like, you know, areas of that, that, that I'm excited about, mm. right? So, mm. Having said that, I think that obviously that there are there's a tremendous potential for innovation here. I think that one of the things to look at really is on a more like infrastructure layer, right? I mean, I'm sure like this already should be common knowledge by now, but for those who are tuning in and you know are just looking at NFTs as a you know a profile picture that collectible, costs, yeah, you know, yeah, half a million dollars, yeah. <laughs> quite collectible, yeah, right. Thank so, you. so that that definitely. Hey, you want to buy my profile picture half a million? <laughs> I will sell you. Ah, uh. okay, yes, yes. Right. So, so that definitely is one. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say very public 
use case for it. Mm. But if you peel that back, what it actually represents is a essentially a new way for us to capture ownership, right, of digital assets, right? Or even physical assets. Or even, yeah, or even physical actually, assets. Actually, before, before NFT became a JPEG, right, it yeah. started as a structure to kind of own things that are, you know, essentially it, like fractional ownership of mm. property. That was, I think that was one of the first main use cases. And then mm. now turn one round, the NFT guys kind of tell me, oh, you know, you can actually use this for fractional. So I'm like, bro, this was like way before yeah. it became a JPEG file. So so the, the fractional ownership uh, of like, uh, so like, you know, tokenization and yeah. fractional ownership, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. it's, I think it's really exciting. But mm. I think that where it becomes really interesting for people in our space, but also anybody in the business of like, verifying sources of information. There's a lot of utility there, you know. So give you an example, right? Um, as journalists, sometimes... I will know, not say I'm a journalist, uh, but yes, right. as journalists. Or, or, like, or rather, like, you know, if you think <laughs> a about... A very high bar to meet, uh, just say. No, no, not as journalists, but okay, okay. But anyway, like, you know, let's just say if you if you need to kind of KYC anything, mm, mm, right? Mm. All of that is currently... A lot of all the process right now is fairly manual and then, like, it still requires, like, you know, like, you know, some sort of third-party verification, which is, which is great. You know, I think it has to be the case. But on a very base layer, right, being able to kind of verify the provenance or the source of something, right, on-chain, right, I yeah, think it, yeah, I think it's going to be yeah. a game-breaker yeah, on that front. Yeah, and yeah. it's just not a very sexy thing to kind of talk about yeah, because yeah, it's not yeah. like... It's like building know, the roads. It's not sexy. Everybody will look at the cars. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah. but even for our space, right, think about a day where, let's just say we have a whistleblower, right? They want to send us kind of like documents. They want to send us shit or like, you know, about, mm-hmm. about some company or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We have to kind of like encrypt these documents, you know, maybe set up a proton mail mm-hmm. or something like that or transmit, uh, transmit it over email, which is really unsecure as well. Blockchain actually is a very elegant solution to all that. Mm-hmm. I'm just gi- giving uh, people uh, an idea out there. Like, so whoever wants to build this, right? Like, yeah. you know, so let me know. Yeah, <laughs> and he can draw all the information to, to his wallet. It's like, hey, hey there's yeah. this thing. So, wow. Right. Right? Okay, okay. I've always felt that something like Wikipedia should actually be a DAO. Yeah, so then, then people can vote for the accuracy of the information. Exactly. Right? Okay, you know? okay. So like, you know, that, that's actually where like, I think a lot of the, the innovation could be quite exciting. Mm. Right? Because you Which could, are not retail focused, yeah, not sexy. You, you, could, know, you could peer review things online. You could kind of mm. verify like, you know, like the, uh, the provenance or the source of the information. <laughs> I can review all the food reviews. You can, this yeah. one not accurate one. <laughs> this exactly. One. <laughs> Rubbish is five star fail. Exactly. Yes, right? Yes. And then because it's on chain, it's there forever and ever and ever and ever mm. and ever. Mm. You know, so <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. right. So, fair, fair, fair. so th- then, then there is that, like, also that the, the legal framework around it could could also be very interesting and see to to, to see how that develops, right? So all of this actually stems from the NFT. So to tie it back, right? All of this actually comes back to like the NFTs, right? So like that's why it's exciting to me. Like you know, not not. I mean, like I think that in Singapore for sure we've we've definitely met uh, or or encountered. In fact, not just in Singapore, man. Singapore and Malaysia, Thailand. Um, seen a lot of really interesting NFT projects, mm. right? Uh, and they've all done very well, mm. right? But I, I think that, and, and, and in different different ways, shapes, and forms, right? So most of them are just, you know, obviously community-driven. Mm. So they if they already have a strong community that they can kind of like mobilize and then, you know, sell a narrative in a, in a very coherent, articulate fashion. Sell a narrative. Right? Then, you know, you would get that buy-in and then you would be able to kind of I, I don't want to say make money, like, but you know, at the same time, you'd be able to raise enough yeah, money. Raise capital remember. and you see yeah. how you're going yeah. to run. Right. But, but I think that based off of, the, of that particular, uh, those particular use cases, right, mm. I think that the stuff that we can be excited about is going to happen more on the back end. Oh, 
and and we and we're gonna cover more of this on our show, yeah. right? So we are we are building a show together with the team at Blockhead. And what what would be the show's name? It's gonna be called Blockcast. Yes, yes, and it will yeah, come. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be plugging our own show on our own show, right? Yes. Anyway, yeah. So we're gonna do a yeah. new podcast called Blockcast together with Blockhead team, and it will air every Friday on the TFC main feed, and of course on our investor network feed. So yeah, that'll be gonna be really really awesome. Yeah. I I will definitely have um more more things to more, say no, more yeah. sexy like uh, yeah. projects to shield. Specific, uh, more specific things to shield, yeah. But today we do the broad, broad ideas, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. In, in closing, is there any other thing about the crypto space that you want to talk a little bit about or anything like how you, maybe maybe something along the lines of like, you know, with all these development, how, how, how is someone redefining their finances like mm. from a personal level? Okay, uh, I'm I'm sure there's already there's already this caveat that goes out on the financial coconut uh, uh, podcast, yeah, right? Yeah. I've seen it. Right? It's not for uh, it's not financial advice. <laughs> 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 so I mean, obviously, I I think that uh, from a financial standpoint, I do believe that cryptocurrencies, in one way, shape, or form, have a place in yeah in a personal finance finance portfolio. Mm. I think they do. Uh, as to what percentage of this. You know, I think that that is obviously a question of like your risk tolerance. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think that where you see, so what, what I feel is relevant and you know, this is, this is just how I, I like to approach things right now also because understanding the macro environment and this includes the regulatory environment around, you know, like um, digital assets, right? Like, like what we just talked about earlier is actually very relevant for like retail investors or mm. people like us. Mm. You know, because how, I mean, how I even got into kind of investing in digital assets like this, right? It's because my friends were like, oh, dude, this is either like a zero hundred thing. Mm. Just put like, you know, like, like 1% of your stuff in there, even if it tanks, doesn't Whatever, matter, right? Yeah. yeah, but if let's say you have everybody thinking like that, right? This is how the problem starts. Right? So, so I, I think it helps to understand from a, a, a macro level. So not just about, you know, what's happening with the Fed and interest rates and all this. Obviously, that really dictates you know, most of the investment decisions right now, right? But if you take a, a longer term view to this, right? The regulatory environment and then also understanding what the projects are doing in certain parts, in certain sectors of the industry, right? Will give you a better view of how it's going in three to five years. Mm, I get it, I get it. Yeah. That's why, that's why I, I'm, I'm very interested in talking yeah. about like the petrol yuan, some of these Correct. other things, which are all very, very big development in all facets of finance yeah. at this point yeah. in time. Right? So and if... Um, you know, I think that, you know, despite what happened this year with like Luna, right? Terra Luna. Mm -hmm. um, stable coins, right? So I think that that's actually really the, 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 the ideal vision, you know? Mm -hmm. um, being able to have a, uh, a digital currency that can really act as a medium of exchange, mm -hmm. you know? So that, that's going to open up a lot of things. And I think that how governments decide to come and come in and embrace that, right, with their CBDCs, whether it's pegged to other currencies or not, right, that is going to be, you know, um, an exciting development, yeah, right? Yeah. So people view it as, oh, this is just uh, another way that, another form of centralization, which it is. Mm -hmm. It is, it right? is. It but is. I think that that can go hand in hand with innovation in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, so like you know, if Singapore right, MAS is coming up with the. Uh, I mean, I'm not an MAS fanboy by any means, uh, So, you know, right? They, they, Unless they're, you want to sponsor, yeah, right, but, that's a, that's yeah, So, so <laughs> what, what I think is interesting is that they're trying out their retail, the, their retail. Uh, I think it's Project Orchid or something like that. They're trying out their own like retail version oh, of yes, uh, CBDC. Yes, be Orchid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so I think Grab, Tamasek, all our partners, 
But I think interesting, you know, because right now, it just if that actually comes to fruition, then you would have a lot less friction when you use like PayLa, PayNow, or like GrabPay, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the on-ramp off, on off-ramps will be a lot easier, mm. right? And the consumers would actually, yeah, you would actually feel the impact in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that that is um, some areas which are, which are interesting uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, yeah. The, the challenge here, I think, from a media company point of view or generally, you know, even as an investor in this space, right, is how do you get yourself excited about the innovation versus the... The hype. The market action or like, you know, like, um, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Because 99% or 90% of the interest right now from an audience point of view, right, is how can I make 100x yeah, yeah, yeah. In the next couple yeah, of months. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Using this, right? And, and we can't avoid that. So that, that, that is generally a big theme. So when we talk about, say, Web3 or cryptocurrencies, that's over, that kind of hangs over everything else. So one of our challenges as a media company is block hit, right? Just get people excited about innovation. Mm. Okay, yeah. okay. And we'll talk more about that, right? Yeah. Every Friday. Check out our other shows. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for your time. Love it. No Appreciate it. Yeah. Nice. Great to be here. <laughs> Ding. Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials, and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, first question, right? So we have a three-rapid-fire right. question. The first right. question is, what is your best and worst investment so far? Well, I guess worst investment... Easily the China stocks I bought. We're talking from a finance point of view for sure. <laughs> I would even actually put that. I would rank that uh, lower than my cryptocurrency investments. <laughs> okay, so I I I got into Baba and all that. Maybe and the high of three hundred. Slightly, slightly, slightly under that Two eighty. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right, and then I yeah, I just want to smash my computer sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> me guess. I, I don't I don't have a lot. So like I don't have a huge. Um, you know, holdings and that, but like, mm-hmm. I would say that. Annoying. Not, un- not really kind of understanding, you know, just the political risk surrounding it, right? Mm-hmm. And just being gung-ho about it. Best, best, best investment so far, you know, I mean, obviously from a investment point of view, so like, you know, I, I, I don't trade and I have like certain holdings that I kind of like just continue to hold, yeah. right? So that there are stocks. Uh, yeah, I would say that actually ever since my, my kid was born, it's just dedicating a certain amount of time investment into that. Mm-hmm. So your kid is your best investment? <laughs> No, 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 I, no, no. I, 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 I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him an investment, or see. But please like, don't. Yes, yeah, yeah, please but, don't. But it's more about. You say something to your kid. No, I, I would say. I would you. say that. Shut up, hey. <laughs> no, no, no. I would say that actually dedicating like investing time right for mm. for certain I would say aspects of like family time right. Mm, mm, it's it's a really solid investment in great, my opinion. Great. I get right? it. I get it. Because the, the, that's just that's just the way I look at it. I think it's something you can't get back. Uh, next question is what is a what is something that is a hundred dollars that has been a game changer for your life? It can be anything. You know, for me, right, it was like an electric toothbrush. Actually, electric toothbrush as well. That, that, that was something that I bought recently. 
Feels damn good, right? It's good. Yeah. Feels like I can delay the dentist for another half a year. Yeah. A place... What is a place you learn from that you think it's underrated? A place that I learn from? Yeah, it can be a book, it can be a podcast, it can be oh. a YouTube channel, it can be an editorial, anything. A place that you learn from that you feel is underrated and our listeners need to know. That Blockhead's managing editor, a co-founder, uh, um, shared with me. Uh, called Blackbird Spy Plane. Blackbird Spy yeah. Plane. Okay, so it is actually a global um, dossier or like kind of like a global culture and style report. Mm. Not that I really give a shit about style or fashion or like, you know, like trends or yeah, whatever, right? You don't right? need to say that. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> but... <laughs> but hey, bro! I don't. Yeah. Uh, I just, just, you know, uh, yeah, but, but... I, I, I'm trying to sell the newsletter here. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So like, you know, for, some, for someone like me, like, you know, like this, I'm really not their target audience. Uh, I'm not, uh, uh, uh. right? But then they have such a distinct style, right, of reporting, right, it, that it made me subscribe to it. Really? Yeah. So Black, I paid sixty dollars a year for this. Okay. Wow. Okay. So okay. you guys check it out because, like, um, I think it's just not just the 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 writing style is very unique, and then the way that they present the images and like the uh, the collages is very unique as well. But also what they cover is very interesting. So I think that they've got some big name celebrities on there, you know, lifestyle reporting, right? So like you know, like from Monocle and and like I would say all the way down to you know your your different kind of like F and B fashion media, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. right? Very think, boring already, like. You think very cha cha already, like. No, yeah, it's just, it's just, it is thing. what it is, like. You know, like you, yeah. you, kind of like, you know, like it's not, not. I mean, they, they, they have a place in the. Uh, they play an important role, mm. but it's been a long time since I've seen something in this particular beat, right? That um, really stands out. Okay. So they really stand out, right? But okay, okay. Yeah. Blackbird yeah. spy plane. Yeah, right? that's a. No, I, and I know it sounds really indie or whatever, but like they've got a hundred thousand paying subscribers. Oh, you know? bro, you're indie, right? That's yeah. where you start. So yeah, okay. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Love it. See you. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.